Hi, everyone. Pastor Galen, lead pastor at Shine Hills Church. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. We hope that these podcasts will be a real encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. You can also connect with Cheyenne Hills at CheyenneHills.org. Hope you enjoy the program. We are across the street and around the world. Cheyenne Hills. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast. And today in studio, I have a very special guest, Andy Warshak. And it's really, what's the preface? The preface to your name, you're like captain, you're like admiral. What are uh, what is your ma- master chief? Master chief, retired, I, you're, old. <laughs> I knew you were a mucky muck, but I mean, you get that's that's really up there. And I want you to tell us a little bit about. You've told me some stories before about uh, submarine, and I, I I hate to even ask you some of those questions because sometimes you look at me like, yeah, I can't tell you those things. So tell me what you can tell me about what you did in your life. Yeah. Um, so I spent 24 years, Galen, riding submarines. I, I started as a sonar technician. I got paid to listen, which, you know, Lee doesn't believe that still today. But I do have the pay stubs to prove that. Um, <laughs> do you actually do listen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Navy paid me for that. It was awesome. <laughs> and you were great at it. With it. With you have a headset on, oh, you yeah. can listen great. Yep. So is, it, is the Hunt for Red October, you were that guy. Yeah. Jones, you, were, you, could, you could hear all everything. Yeah, except for I didn't have a computer like Jonesy did. I had to learn that stuff on my own. Uh, and then I spent probably the last 10 years of my career in the, in the highest levels of enlisted leadership, the Command Master Chief program. I was the chief of the boat on the USS Santa Fe, chief of the boat on the USS Cheyenne, which is how Lee and I ended up here in Cheyenne. And then the Command Master Chief for the Navy's overseas network. Um, so a lot of fun stuff. Learned a lot about leadership. Um, radically changed my views on what leadership is. Wow. But uh, yeah, good times, good times. So these are now, this is the question stuff. Is this, you were in a nuclear sub, is that right? Yeah. Cheyenne is a nuclear sub. That's correct. And some of the terrifying things were when you floated under big ice. Can you tell us anything about oh, yeah. that? Spent, uh, spent some time under under the ice cap. It's, it's pretty eerie. It's Bad. very, very, very quiet. But when you get to the, near the edge, of the ice cap, the ice rubs together, and it it sounds like babies screaming in pain. It's re- it's, oh, it's wow. one of the eeriest noises I've ever so, heard. So how how far under the ice cap? You know, is this like we're talking North Pole? Oh yeah, type yeah. about and, five degrees north is the farthest I've been. And so it, you can go clear under that ice cap oh, yeah. to I guess yep. to Russia, right? Or oh, yeah, you can pass over from the Pacific to the Atlantic, or unbelievable. Either way. That's it's unbelievable. Pretty cool. Is it? I mean, do you have this? really freaky feeling it's like i can't surface if i even wanted to is that um you do not think of that yeah you try not to think about that kind of stuff i know some of the young guys did um but you you stay so focused on on keeping the the submarine safe and the crew safe that you you try to forget about those kind of so how long of it would you be underneath the ice cap for example uh i think i spent 40 days up there once is that right um yeah it's missions vary time-wise but yeah well, thank you for your service. I know I just think about uh, what you guys do and I get to, you kind of get to hear different stories of people. There's a lot of retired military here in our church. And so, but you, you've kind of taken your experiences and you've wrapped them together in this leadership program. You actually speak across the nation. Yeah. And what, Glo- what do you call globally. this? You Globally. Um, so we call it intent-based leadership and it, and it comes from a three-year period when I was on the USS Santa Fe and my captain opted to not give orders, which is radically upside down 
for the way that military leadership is trained. And, and what I've learned in the five years now that I've been doing this, that even on the outside, um, corporate leaders are taught to be top-down, controlling, right. tell people what to do, know all, tell all. And we did exactly the opposite on the Santa Fe, radically turned around my, my views of what leadership are. What, now, did you originate some of these ideas, or were these kind of a collective, this is how we're going to roll? How did, how did this come about? Well, David Marquet, the, the captain, he's the, he's, he told us that he wasn't going to give orders. And then, so we were part of his leadership team, the chiefs and the officers, and, and we, we put together some practices that remove that, uh, you know, forging followers kind of ideal. And instead, we focused on creating more leaders wow. and, uh, yeah, radically changed things on Santa Fe. Santa Fe went from the worst submarine in the Navy to the best submarine in the Navy in, in about a year and a half time with the same crew members where, you know, the, the books are out there, put the right people in the right seat on the bus. And, yeah. and, and that's all about controlling people where we gave control. David gave us control to do things that on other submarines, um, only the captain would do. And okay. it was, yeah, it was quite, uh, very empowering then. Very empowering. In fact, okay. the people, the, the, the situation has been studied. And, the, and that's what they say. Oh, you guys were empowered. Yeah. Um, we just we just never use that word. We actually refer to it as being emancipated, being freed to do what we were paid to do. Oh, wow. Interesting. It was, yeah, it's pretty cool. So then how did, how did you, did you report back to the, the captain then and, and to say how things were going? Did he have a, a working knowledge of, or did he say, no, I'm delegating the, even the management of things to you guys and, you know, tell me if there's a problem yeah, we, kind of thing. We operated on, on this phrase, I intend to, and that, that would drive the conversation. It, I would go to the captain and, and tell him, captain, this is what I intend to do with my sonar system. And, and if everything made sense, his response would be very well. Where it. in the past it would, it would be, he would come to me and tell me what to do. And we just got rid of that stuff. Wow. Imagine your staff coming to you and saying, Galen, this is this is what we intend to do this week and, and right. you're not having to make all the decisions. That's that's right. what the submarine became like. David was pretty is is pretty cool. Um, probably the one of the most incredible things that I learned from him is compliance. You, you can buy that. You can buy compliance from your team. You can buy compliance from your people, pay them right, give them the right benefits, whatever. Gotcha. Right working conditions. But excellence is only ever freely given to you. When, when I realized that excellence was a gift, it radically changed the way I responded to people. When, when, when my guys mm, were delivering excellence, that wasn't something that I could force them to do. You, you can't control other people, right? Um, and that's, to me, it lined up with my faith. Um, God's love for us is a gift. Right. It's not, he doesn't compel us, uh, control us. Um, he doesn't, he doesn't force compliance. Right. He, he loves us he re anyway. He, he, and he rewards gift. it. I mean, you think about yeah. the 10 talents, the 10 talent guy, five and two and one, they, they, because they desired to please the master, they, you know, invested heavily yes. to bring back yep. what they were given. But there's one guy that buried his talent, right? He yeah. didn't have excellence. But so there was this, but there was a reward yeah. for each one of them that had the same reward. And there was, this, which I think is interesting. The same reward on the submarine. When, when, when we recognized 
that gift of excellence. It, it made it so easy to invest back in, in those young sailors sure. and that team. And uh, in fact, the, the guys went on to um, twice, twice the Navy's advancement rate, the selection rate for command master chief programs for commanding officer programs were 10 times. So the you Navy develop average. leaders on that. Sub. Yes. Wow. Instead of followers, we were, we were, creating more that leaders. had to be exciting to see them take on responsibility st- in other places i still hear from many of them today no kidding yeah. well give me i know you have several uh principles in your your presentation pick your top maybe you did your top one but give us oh. some of the some of the ones that you'd like to share with us today of these are some takeaways from uh leadership 101 from the or maybe yeah. 701 actually uh, doctorate level leadership uh, from from the the Cheyenne or these these so, the submarines. So I think I think our our best principle, the one that I enjoyed the most was leaders give control, um, give control and get people to think instead of just do. Okay, uh, and and that was easy to roll over into home life too. When my kids had control over their their decision making process, they owned the decision instead of just doing what they were told to do. It was pretty amazing, but giving control to people to do their jobs when they have the competence and clarity to do the job is incredible. The, the speed of execution that happened on the submarine was beyond anything that I had witnessed before in the Navy. And it, and it starts with getting people to think and you just, you get them to think by giving them control over their decision. Um, it's, you know, we've been, I, and I've witnessed it everywhere now. So now that I work in the in the corporate world and, and work with corporations all over the world, you I, see it. I see it where yeah. the, the boss is always taking control, always taking control, and right. people do nothing. They do only what they're told. What they're told and, to do. And, and it makes... Okay, so crazy. the skeptic out there, and I'm, there's a little bit that I can even hear in my own head. It's like, okay, so what happens... How do you handle a situation you give complete control and the responsibility and you've equipped them and you've done all these things and then, but it doesn't fit the timeline or it doesn't fit the, doesn't fit the excellence maybe that you had, had seen in your mind. What, how do you deal with that? Yeah. So it, it happens. Okay. And that's uh, what we found on the Santa Fe was we weren't going to be punished when things went wrong. There were consequences for things. We knew that, but the, the Navy's approach um, is to punish people so hard that nobody makes the same mistake ever again. Okay. Yet in, in the year 2020, we're making the same mistakes that were made in 1920. Oh, wow. Because that approach doesn't work. But the, the approach of finding the cause for the behavior, what's going on in the environment, in fact, that's where we focused our efforts. We focused our efforts on the environment, not, not the people. It, you know, we're... When you say environment, you're talking about the culture of the, the culture, boat. Culture, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, what was what was the culture of the boat? And the, so the culture on on Santa Fe was, if you make a mistake, we're going to punish you so hard that nobody makes the same mistake again. Okay. And that results in people that fear are focused on avoiding an error. Right. Exactly. And that drives passivity. Because okay. the best way to avoid... I'm afraid an, to make a decision. Right. Okay, gotcha. The, be, the best way to avoid making an error is to do nothing. Do nothing. Oh, there you go. But when your focus is on delivering excellence, it's not always going to be excellence, but something happens. Something gets done instead of people standing around doing, doing nothing. nothing. Oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, I can just see that that scenario playing out. As somebody that's empowered and, and, ex, and expected to, to think and do 
do a job and figure it out is that, well, we're going to try this because this is, you know, I'm taking responsibility for this to move it forward. And uh, even if it's wrong, I know that I'm not going to be chastised. I'm going to be, you know, reprimanded. I'm going to. There was a ton of communication. Uh, There there was this rich flow of up and down the chain communication because we were, we were focused on doing the right thing and, and not focusing on, not making a mistake. So right. there was constant, constant conversation almost well, just in my, in my field in sonar, I was constantly talking with the captain about what I was intending to do with my, my sonar system, my guys, um, how it was going to impact the rest of the submarine, what, what my, how my decisions were, would impact the engineering guys. And there was this flow of communication back and forth. That was awesome. You know, I'm going to hear, get your next point here, but I'm just as an interlude between the, this, uh, these two uh, leadership concepts, how is how could your faith be played out when you're on the boat? I mean, I'm you're you're a guy. You faith is a is a big part of your life. You work in the children's area. You pour your heart into our children's uh, uh, our students, and uh, I just know you, Andy, and you've got a big heart for God. And I just like how did how could that or how did it play out in your in your work world? Well, I think there was there there was this direct correlation for me to how God treats us, to how David gotcha. decided to lead on the submarine, which was inspiring um, and, and resulted in lots of conversations with fellow believers on the submarine that, man, did David read the Bible? Um, um, which we did uh, around Easter one year. We, some of us believers on the boat gave him a Bible, and, and he did read it. Uh, um, still working on his, his relationship, but... Um, yeah, it was you know there was a there was a handful of guys on the submarine and we would meet on Sundays. Okay, have so a you, have a lay leader. That did you have a chaplain a on the on the ship? No or? chaplain on the submarines. It okay. was all all volunteer work and okay. um, being a chief in a leadership position. Uh, you know, I got I got sought out a lot for not just work related issues but personal and family life. And you know, Lee and I were thirty seven years, four yeah. kids. Yeah. multiple deployments, 24 years of submarining. That Unbelievable. We, we got sought out a lot for how do you handle this? You Pressure. Know, Chief, this is going on with my wife. What do I do? And a yeah. lot of times those conversations would lead to, sure. look, Spir- I, spiritual conversation. I could do this because I know God ha- has has my back. I, just, yeah. I don't need to get upset about it. I don't need to be leading the, the complaining, the group of complainers. Yeah. Just do my thing. Cause okay, God's so now... Me. The, the next most important thing right under um, how did you express your faith is how how was the food on the on the submarine food on the submarine <laughs> is the best in the Navy oh are you kidding me oh absolutely no That's, kidding. so you got a couple of things that you can affect morale with on the submarine and the primary one is food is that right so yeah they in fact the other guys are jealous when they would come down and visit and ride they would be like you guys are eating here's another driver for that though. On a on a surface warship, a aircraft carrier, um, even on a small ship like a destroyer, the officers have their own kitchen and their own cooks. Okay. On a submarine, we have one kitchen. Okay. Food goes out one window to the enlisted people and one window to the officers. We eat the same food. I think that's a big driver in why we eat so well. Interesting. Yeah. That's a really cool, that's actually a cool principle. It probably works in one of your leadership concepts it, somehow. It does. <laughs> that's that's actually really cool. So um, the uh, how many numbers, how many men on a, on a ship? 100, 140 assigned okay. to the ship, 119 beds. 
Oh, is that right? So, yeah, that's so a lot of fun. So you're sharing beds with people. Is that right? Does everybody shares uh, uh, different shifts? The more senior you are, the better Less, your chance yeah. is that you get your own bed. Oh, be darned. So are they pretty? I mean, they're tiny little oh, yeah, cubbies. You can't even turn oh, over. Gosh, is that right? Yeah. So I would I would come home from a deployment. Oh and, my gosh. And you know, lay in bed next to my wife, and I would stay in that one spot. <laughs> she was like, "What is the matter with my husband?" Yeah, right. <laughs> You're just like a plank. Yeah, yeah just sit there. You learn to sleep. Oh still. my gosh, what a deal! No, those are I had never thought about those kind of things. Okay, so leadership principle number two. What's the uh, What's the next one? So the the next favorite leadership principle for me that we practice in that was. Um, we push authority to the information where corporations are set up today to get all the information to the top of that pyramid so that pure, the top of the pyramid could make the decision. Well, on Santa Fe, we kind of thought that was stupid. So we would find out where the information was at and push the authority to that information. An example would gotcha. be yeah. um, approving vacation for the enlisted sailors. That was normal. And on every other submarine in the Navy, the second in command had the authority to approve that. Well, all the information resided with the chief, my level. So we pushed that authority to my level. And a, a lot of people were worried because, oh, we're going to come to work. All the sonarmen are going to be on vacation. The chief oh, yeah. said yes to everything. Yeah. But when we own the authority for the decision, we the, the psychological ownership rested with us. Now the responsibility is on and your shoulders. The responsibility shoulders. was yes. on my shoulders. Yes. So the decisions were made for what what's best for the crew that, and what's best for the submarine. That is huge. You know, I don't know if you know the, the story of Shine Hills Church, but it went to a different kind of governance, giving the pastor more of CEO type role. And then they were, and then the CEO is, or the, you know, the pastor is, you know, answers to a board of directors who has actually more power, but they have less control, if that makes sense. Yeah. And okay. um, what, what what I noticed about that, and stepping into this role, that was 13 years ago, but what I noticed about it is that the weight of responsibility makes you make good decisions. It's like you're not going to make bad decisions. You're going to find right. the best way to do something because it's on your shoulders versus everybody else's sharing that responsibility. And and, and the efficiency of t the time of it, but also the responsibility, the weight of it is really accountable. It's an, a very accountable, makes you accountable. That's yeah. what I'm trying to say. Well, and so you asked earlier, what did we do when we gave that control and the results weren't what we were looking for? Well, we dealt with it less often because when people have this psychological ownership, they make better decisions. For sure. Yeah. We made fewer mistakes on the Santa Fe. Still mistakes were made, but fewer and then we focused on... But I think, you, you said this in your last segment, your last leadership principle, but they make better decisions, but I think they also make quicker decisions because right. you, don't, you don't sit there. Right. It's like, okay, this is on me. I gotta, yep. I've got this is on, this is on my shoulders to fix this problem, and we got to get it done. Yeah, the speed of execution was incredible yeah. because the decisions are being made faster by the people that have the information. Information is not being diluted to get to the decision maker because the decision maker is the person with the information. It was... It was incredibly refreshing. In fact, I was ready to get out of the Navy when, when I met David. And uh, spending three years with David on the Santa Fe, gave your, I did 11 more years in the is Navy. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. So you so really did get... A lot, of, a lot of credit to that guy. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. So, okay, so how many principles did you have? When you go to a presentation, how many principles? Six. Six principles. Yep. Okay. Six principles. And we just covered, what, two? Just two. Just two yep. of them. Wow. Well, I would like to cover some more of these sometime. I think this is fascinating. And... Uh, but. Before we sign off here, would you just say, you know, if someone's out there listening and say, man, I'd love to have this guy speak to my 
you know, how can they get a hold of you? What's your organization called? Yeah, the, How's this go? so the organization is Turn the Ship Around. Um, and you can you can find us at intentbasedleadership.com or you can reach me here in Cheyenne and we'll connect here in Cheyenne and do something with you. Intent intentbasedleadership.com. That's yep. really good. Or if you're local here in Cheyenne, you yeah, just contact me locally. Very good. And we'll connect you up and help Senior you out. Senior Master Sergeant Retired, Andy Warshak, yeah, ladies master, and gentlemen. Master Chief. You know, oh, okay, Master Navy. Chief. Oh, that, I, I said it said it wrong because <laughs> and that would, that's uh, messes with you. You guys in yeah, terminology. Inner service rivalry. Seriously, I, <laughs> I can't keep any of it straight. But, but thank you for your service. Thanks for being here today. God bless you. And, and as you go about your day, be strong and very courageous. God bless you all.